There we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast, where you may laugh or you may learn, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and new to the family, Google Podcasts. My name is Theo. And the most important question of the day, how are you all doing? Last episode, I celebrated the one-year anniversary of the podcast uh, and my birthday, threw that in there too. It was a great time reflecting, and check that out when you guys get a chance. Today, I have a very special guest on, Mr. Kevin Afokwa, host of the Wonder Wednesday podcast. Kevin, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's good, everybody? My name is Kevin, a.k.a. Zach and Bro. Yes, I am the host of the Wonder Wednesday podcast. It's really interesting to be on the other side of the table here. So cool to be the interviewee and not the interviewer. And I'm really excited to get into the hot topics we got to talk about today. Sir, yes, sir. So right now, we just want to jump straight into it. Um, something serious that Kevin and I both wanted to address on April 11th in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, during a traffic stop, police killed 20-year-old Dante Wright. In response, there have been countless hot takes, conversations, demonstrations, and police escalation with civilians in the area for the past several days. Uh, Kevin, I know you deeply wanted to discuss this topic, and I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, definitely. It's really another horrendous saddening event that we are witnessing here ladies and gentlemen um as as theo uh implied this happened in minnesota uh just about 10 miles away from where george floyd was killed by Derek chauvin who is currently on trial right now um but this whole situation is just bizarre to me because when you really look down deep into it it could have been avoided. It could have been de-escalated in a much more professional way. And I just, it's another example of police officers using an overpowering method of trying to get people to listen and obey their commands. And it's just, it's insane. It's insanity. You know, that especially young black men, unarmed black men are constantly put in this situation. It's scary for both Theo and I, uh, being young black men ourselves, you know, getting into our cars and going anywhere being much more cautious of our surroundings, our speed, like everything. And so looking at this and another situation like this heart uh, breaks my heart. And even on top of it, you know, the police officer who has been charged recently, just got charged today, actually, uh, with second degree manslaughter, uh, Kim Porter. She <clears throat> had about 26 years of experience in the police force. It's insane to me that she couldn't look at the difference or see the difference between pulling out her taser and pulling out her gun. And it just goes to show that her impulsive reaction in a situation in which a black man is maybe not corresponding exactly to what she was asking for, um, is that's her immediate response. And, and it's insane to see how tragically this ended because, you know, I, I, when, if you guys have seen the footage, it's really, uh, again, shocking and saddening to watch, but, he gets shot and he kind of drives down the block uh, where, you know, he later shortly died. But he's, his body was left for six hours. Nobody came, no ambulances, nothing. And, and it just goes to show how that community and those police officers themselves don't take any credit or 
don't see any shame in, in the crime that they committed. Yeah, it's it's hard because you 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 never really know uh, how many situations are like this that we don't find out about. Exactly, that aren't publicized. Right, like there, there's been so. I mean, since body cams were like a really high level topic of conversation in 2014, 2015, there's still mm-hmm. been situations where there haven't been like they are turned off for insert reason why uh and the conversation that always bothers me is a matter of the quote of like resisting arrest right yes when has it ever been the police's job to kill somebody that's resisting arrest that doesn't make any sense not at all if 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 the crime if if you look at it, the the crime of resisting arrest, it's like, what, a few extra months? If it's like that bad, right? Exactly. It, it's not, oh, you are immediately, if you ha- are like running away from the police, even, even you, we can debate the ins and outs of it. I'm just leaning in. I'm leaning into this person, what, uh, that Mr. Wright made poor decisions. I'll lean into it just for the sake of the sake, right? Right. Under what circumstances is the police an executioner that if they're supposed to take someone into custody, that they also have the ability to kill someone? And in most cases, if not all publicized cases that we've seen, still have their job over when it's over. Exactly. There's no consequence. There's no impediments to their licensing or their their stature or their position nothing nothing like that and it makes me and many people around me feel that if i am in a situation with the police and i listen to the audio of of the the incident itself and you can hear that clearly uh, this person had a very, very strong reaction to actually shooting him. And my thought process is if at any given point in time, if a gun is necessary for a routine, if a, for a traffic stop is what they describe. Traffic stop, as, yep. Then what is it not necessary for then in their eyes? For a traffic stop, if you need a gun, then clearly you're in the wrong field. You're in the wrong field here. It's like three, four, five people around this one person and his girlfriend, right? Yeah. There is absolutely, and I mean absolutely, no need for the level of escalation that took place. Traffic stop, as we've, as we've, as we've been told, right? There was that situation where um, there was a, another traffic stop where there was that, ar- the, the guy who's like active duty in the army was pulled over, he was in an yeah. SUV, Yep, and the that. police officers had their guns trained on him for the entire time and then yep. sprayed him in the face, made him get out of the car, never really told him under any justifiable reason why they were sh- like aiming their loaded guns at him, made him get on the ground. And then they ended up charging him with nothing. Um, what I, I just think it's really strange seeing people defend the police to the extent that they do. because. <laughs> And there is very, very, very few, very few 
professions on this earth where you can go to work, kill someone, and a year later have the same job. And the police happens to be one of those jobs. There's no other field like it. That's like for normal people, right? Where you don't need to go to college for it, right? right? You just kill people. And the police union and their rules protect you from doing so. No consequence. No real consequence, right? And the hard part about that is when people are like, well, you shouldn't resist arrest or whatever. They're also implying that the police are perfect people. They're saying that a human being who is being pressured, stressed, whatever level of distress you're in when you are being confronted by the police must be perfect. But the police are allowed to do as they please. That's what I gather, because I mean, I've had incidents in my life where the police have followed me, uh, profiled me, profiled me all the way to places that I'm comfortable going. And I mean, I've had very, very heightened uh, like heart rates and I just start panicking. You know, I mean, I don't know what's going on. It happened very recently to me. Mm. uh, Another incident like that. And the hard part is. At the end of the day, there's going to be people who will say, well, they're a police officer. They're clearly doing something right, which is ridiculous, right? If police officers are granted this this halo that if they have a bad day and a normal human being has a bad day, the police, because they're they're the police, are right, even though they're human beings. And that's just absurd. They're human beings. Absolutely. Just like we're human beings. If police officers feel that black Americans are inherently more dangerous than white Americans given the same situation, right. then they should acquit. Because that is a prejudiced tendency to have. You could go as far as saying they're racist. I'm comfortable saying they're racist. If so we're the I. same people in the same circumstance, but you believe I'm more dangerous because of the color of my skin, that means you're racist. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I think we also have to almost peel back this complete innocence narrative we try to put around uh, victims, right? Right. What we try to do is, because the the media, I hate saying it like that, but it's true, because mass media, when something like this will happen, will immediately start digging for information about the victim, immediately start saying, well, he had a warrant out for his arrest, and blah 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 he may i add that he had a air freshener yeah and by the way i didn't know that air fresheners like having those like little trees air fresheners on your rear view mirror is illegal and that can call for a traffic stop uh, traffic stop as well which is insane i I mean that is a really strange law to me because i feel like those are sold everywhere every gas station every grocery store every any place you can buy things right Um, yeah so it's really bizarre that I feel like that was like the main reason they stopped him in the first place. Yeah. Um, but I guess as things kind of erupted, they found out, oh, he had a warrant out for his arrest. He was resisting. Like they just had so many reasons or they felt they had a rationale that they could take lethal action against him. And yeah. That's just super absurd. But Absolutely. No, no. Nah, nah. I mean, that's a fantastic point to add. And one of the things, like I said, like we have to do all this defending 
Yep. Like, oh, no, no, no. It's like, well, he had a warrant out for his arrest. What's wrong with like, why, why do we have to say that a person has to be perfect just so that they didn't have to get yeah. killed? That doesn't make any sense. It never makes any sense. Um, and what the hardest thing about that is we you start playing identity politics with who's a person who should be alive. Yeah. No matter what, this is a person who should be alive. That's that's the end all be all. Even when you take it to the furthest logical extent, we've seen situations where black victims, we try to justify their innocence by saying they were unarmed, right? Yeah. If they were armed, why does that make things worse if they can be? There's this very strange situation where in open carry states, black people with guns are still scarier than white people with guns <laughs> to the police, Come on. which makes it a very clear question you can follow up with. Why make it an open carry state if you're still going to be afraid of people having a license to do so? Um, and it's just hard because we know this isn't going to end. Like, exactly. I mean, this, we're, I'm 24. You know what I'm saying? I this will continue to happen and it will continue to hurt in as many ways as possible. And I know you and I are going to talk about this even more later, but like. I don't know, man, America looking a little real, real strange these days, looking like a third world country in a Gucci belt. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It has been an unbelievable last 365 days. Yep. Just, like just the things you witness about the place you live and how when nothing's happening, you think everything's fine. And then something national happens, a pandemic, uh, uh, police brutality, uh, discrimination against Asian Americans. Yep. And they all start happening at the same time. Like all of these things are happening at literally the same time of the year. COVID cases up. Asian discrimination up police brutality event, Minnesota, all at the same time. And it's it's always this narrative, well, America's better than this. Are we? Are you sure? Not from what I've seen. Exactly. Like, I've I've seen the evidence. And truthfully, I mean, it's just hard. It's just hard. We can only control what we can control. But, man, that just, just hearing that audio was just so hard. I mean, you never know. You never know when it's you. The and obviously, part, it's like, crazy. You never yeah, know. Like the worst part, I think, is that like the officer yells herself. Kim Porter yells, "Taser, taser, taser!" in that video, right? As if she's going to use the taser on him, and that's what everybody would assume, right? Being a trained police officer, professional, you've been in your field for a long time. I'm sure you can look and identify with what you, it is you're carrying, right? Like. I just don't see the rationale and the reason as to why guns are used over so many other, even a baton. Like you can use your baton to even get them to comply with you, but rather you just take drastic means and just cause another national uprise. Cause now there's a whole, uh, you know, unrace, unrestful event of protests going on over there peacefully, mind you. And here they are, you know, they, they call them in the national guard. They got all these dudes are riot gear coming in, defending, you know, their buildings and, and structures and such. Um, and, and people are trying to make some type of representation and a statement towards what is going on in their community and what is looking like repeatedly going on in the community. Like, 
the, the, the spotlight has been on Minnesota for a minute. And since the pandemic started and since the George Floyd situation, and we're just getting to that point where we're just constantly seeing this happen and people are fearful for their lives constantly. And as you were saying previously, like being a black man is just a difficult like narrative that some people won't understand being a black person in general, um, being a person of color. Um, we just have so many things that the system has created that is meant to destroy us. It's meant to oppress us continually. The discrimination is always going to occur. And the police force, you know, historically, when you think about it, was used as a means to imprison and detain black individuals. And, and it's continuing that way. And, and, and that's why there's so much hatement and resentment in our community for that. It's again, saddening to see this again as a young, you know, black man. And I just want us all to learn uh, the best ways and the best protocol, because even as you said previously, the servicemen, the black man that was also pulled over, had his hands out the window, complied with everything the officer was saying. He was just like, why am I being pulled over? Like, he's just asking questions. That's it. Those are his rights. Am I wrong? And so if, he, if the police can't give him a absolute reasonable suspicion as to why he's being pulled over, then why is the, why is there even an escalation causing them to spray pepper spray in his face and then him be slammed on the ground and arrested? It's just so heartbreaking. This doesn't happen to white individuals. I'm sure they get off of warnings. And, and even, again, flipping the script even more when you're talking about the anti-Asian hate and violence, the spa shootings in Atlanta, literally a white man goes to three different locations and drives south of Georgia and then gets caught. It's just ridiculous. How can somebody can commit so many crimes in one in, in a couple of hours and and still not be brutally, you know, harassed or or anything like that? You know, he's probably fed and hydrated. It, it, the treatment is just different. And, and so I think we really need to open our eyes more to this situation. The way you know, shootings like this are happening again. It's looking like this summer might be another one of those, the same as 2020, honestly. Yeah. And then like, just like the last thing I was thinking, like just in relation to that, you, you have to ask like a really just like a tough, tough question. Why don't people think when obviously the uninterested people will always be like, oh my goodness, they don't need to loot or steal or whatever, leave me alone, right? Why don't they ask the question, man, another young black man or unarmed black person is killed. What are the police doing to stop that from happening? Instead of asking the question they clearly do ask, why I understand that another black unarmed black person was killed but why do they have to like destroy their own community why is the yeah. why is the burden on us hmm. is the real question i don't understand why the national conversation when we have seen time and time again that this is a police problem it's not yeah. it's not much more complex than that this is a it's police not. problem why do they still get the benefit of the doubt and that's what hurts you know, you mm -hmm. never know when it's you. And that means someone somewhere in like Spokane, Washington, is probably going <laughs> to find some way to blame me because they don't know me. You know what I mean? They don't know who I am. They'll just see that I'm black and be like, oh, he must have done something, you know, right. and that's how it's, how it's going to be. And that's the hard part. But 
honestly, you know, do our best to do our part, stay as aware of the situations going on around us, stay educated about them, keep spreading the word about it. Uh, and of course, still look after um, other people groups, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders yep. during this still incredibly difficult time for them. And honestly, we just got to do what we can with each other. I agree. Crazy. But we'll, we'll never, Kevin and I certainly will never, never let this one go. But for today, um, we're just going to have some, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun despite the madness because realistically, that's how we've learned how to deal with stuff. You know what I mean? Um, But hey, thank you for, thank you for talking about that. I'm glad we, we got a chance to, but sir, it's time to get to some recommendations. So uh my own recommendations as as i do i listen to the same like four songs every month sometimes every six weeks but i actually found some new ones and i'm proud of myself um (laughs) got ocean by kawada honesty by pink sweats i don't know if it's osom or osom yo yeah it's it's so good ali put me on i don't know if it's osom or osom but it's by J Rock featuring J Cole, and oh, out of sight, out of mind. There we go. Didn't even think twice about it. It's been so long since I actually paid attention. I just throw it on <laughs> in the background. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Perfect. Thank you, sir. But O S O M, out of sight, out of mind. Just look up O S O M. You'll find it. And then myself by Houdini. That's the most different Ooh. sound out of all of them. Yeah, from what I normally listen to, but I actually really like it. Yeah, Houdini's amazing. I love that song. Um. And then, and then, got some shows. Well, I got one show. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I don't Invin- think I know what it is. Yep. Invincible. You got it. It is <laughs> absurd. It is absurd. It is so good. I This last week's episode, I mean, the first episode had me like, what? This one had me like that even mm. more. And all I got to say is this. Mahershala Ali was in this episode. This last one, last Friday, episode five. Mahershala Ali was in the episode. He stole the whole episode for like mm. the first like 40 something minutes. And then another character none of us had met before stole the next three minutes after that. And then Mahershala Ali stole the rest of the episode after. So it was wow. This I sounds mean, yeah. I, I just need more. Like it, there's nothing, there's nothing more I can say. I need more. I'm kind of glad that it comes out every week because I would literally fly in a weekend. <laughs> like I would never stop watching it. I'd show up late to work watching <laughs> it, you know. Um, but if if my recommendations don't don't hit hard enough, let Mahershala Ali's unbelievable performance in this past episode be the one to guide you to this show. Yeah. So. Uh- Oh yeah, go for it. Go for it. I was just gonna say, yeah. I, I being somebody that was recommended this, by the way, on my podcast, when it was it, um, <laughs> it is absolutely insane. Like when when he was talking about like this having violence, drugs, sex, like murders, like I I didn't see it because it's like an animated show. Usually, animated shows aren't that gruesome, in my opinion. Like I, I don't really, I didn't see it with this show. It just seemed like, oh, you know, superheroes, powers, cool. You know, it's gonna be semi you know peaceful right until you get to the end of the the first episode and you're just like (laughs) what in 
what is going on? I thought there was a camaraderie. I thought there was an alliance. Like, without saying too much, like, it's just crazy. I just didn't understand it. And for for any, honestly, this is like the craziest first episode of any show I've watched because I, I was just so confused. So I, I'm going to jump more into this and hopefully I have more to say, but like, wow, this is just really, uh, it, it seems immaculate. And if you're recommended it and it's this good up to episode five at this point, then I got to keep going. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Watch, watch uh, your own risk as well. So, <laughs> that's another <laughs> thing. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is an elite level show. That, that's as simple as that. Five episodes in, it is elite. Um, but getting into something else. So, I got to introduce my guy. This is, we got to do a more formal one. So <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about Kevin is that we met for the very first time last weekend. So Crazy. we recorded his podcast together last week. Mm -hmm. I still had yet to meet him in person. <laughs> we had not met yet, right? Yeah. And then we met over the weekend. The, the vibes were confirmed. I'm like, this is my guy, right? <laughs> but something I noticed before we recorded the first time, and I wanted to save a little, a little sauce for myself on this episode, right? Mm -hmm. So Kevin and I have a lot in common for someone who I hadn't met before. A ton in common, actually. A lot. And the list is crazy. The crazy, it's crazier as you get on, right? So let's just start from the top. We're both black men, obviously. We talked about that at length just now. We yep. both went to school, like undergrad in Pennsylvania. Okay, not too crazy, right? We both happen to be dating Asian women who are best friends. Yeah. That's how we know each other. And went Our, to the same school. And they went to the same school. Our girlfriends went to the same university, they're friends, and then we just so happened to know each other because of them, right? Yeah. We have both been in relationships that are almost six years old. It's a long time. They're both long distance at some point in time, at least during undergrad. They were both long distance during undergrad. Both of our anniversaries are in the late part of june <laughs> and we both have podcasts <laughs> now hey, are you me it's that's exactly what <laughs> I, I was like there is no way i've never met someone i've never met anyone who had that level of like baseline commonality with me before you like i was like this is impossible but all of it's true yeah like, it's crazy so a more formal introduction, my guy, Kevin, host of the Wonder Wednesday podcast, as I mentioned, I was on an episode last week with him. Check that out when you get a chance. Uh, Multi-platform multi content creator, <laughs> a little TikTok action, Instagram, a little YouTube action, all that, and a podcast. Look at how versatile. Um, great guy. We, we finally met just a few moments a few days ago we had met the first time when we were playing what among us uh that one time yeah that was the first time i think i'd even heard your voice before yeah um you were more of a myth before then but 
Kevin, how are you? Get let, let's get just get into it. How are you? What do you got for us? What are your recommendations? All that. Yeah. Hey, I'm good. Uh, chilling, working, trying to navigate the pandemic like everybody else. I think that's what's on top of everybody's mind, trying to get back to normal. Um, but hey, uh, real quick, I guess my recommendations. What have I been listening to recently? Um, I will say, and I played some of these songs like on my my latest video. Check me out at youtubecom second bro. Um, yeah. I really like the song Zoom uh, featuring Wale and Davido. Uh, obviously, if you know Davido, he, he made money fall on you, you know fall. Um, and Wale, everybody knows the DC legend himself. Um, really amazing song. Love the the vibes of it. The beat is really atmospheric and nostalgic, so I really love it for that. Um, but yeah, check that out. I've also been listening to, and I'm going to my playlist so I can double check. Um, I, I actually just started listening to Brock Hampton's new drop that just came out this past Friday, Roadrunner, New Light, New Machine. Really amazing project. These guys always drop bangers upon bangers. If you, I'm sure you guys have listened to, because it was a, a TikTok challenge at one point, Sugar, great song. Um, and honestly, these guys are just so creative and vibrant. I really love their their you know, creative lens when it comes to music and production. So highly recommend you guys check them out. Um, I've also been listening to, uh, and actually funny enough, my girlfriend put me onto this because I wasn't even hip, uh, Beautiful Mistakes from Maroon 5 featuring Megan The Stallion because, again, Megan's more of a rapper, and I'm like, how is she going to come in the singing angle with Maroon 5? But she actually executes pretty well, and I, I really love this song. So check it out. Um, really cool uh, combo of artists there. And last but not least, I've also been listening to the new 42 Doug song with Roddy. I feel like the song hasn't really gotten that much publicity, but uh, for the gang, pretty good song. Uh, and I kind of like them kind of mending their different type of vocal styles. Because again, Roddy Rich is that more upbeat vocalist. Roddy Rich is more of that yammering on type of rapper. So kind of a mumble rapper, but at the same time, I think these two combo each other really well. Those are my recommendations. Sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. So, I mean, that you had a lot of good recommendations over the course of hosting your podcast. And one of the things that uh, you had mentioned in our last episode, we were just talking about COVID. We were talking about um, getting vaccinated and the plans with that. And one thing you wanted to bring up, and it's very much a current topic, is everything that's going on with J&J. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything going on. So everything. from from your perspective, take it from the top. What's going on? What do you think? How do you feel? What's good? Okay. As you guys know, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been pulled from use by the CDC um, just y- uh, yesterday, actually. And it raises a lot of questions as to what could the possible other side effects be of this vaccine? As you guys know, there's been about six cases of older individuals, women specifically, I think, that have gotten blood, massive blood clots because of this vaccine. Um, so that is a major side effect, that a very rare side effect at that, um, just to clarify, uh, that people are experiencing because of this. And it's just bringing, it's just raising a lot of alarms because a lot of people have kind of resorted to this uh, vaccine because of the fact that it's only one shot. Uh, might as well take all the the 
side effects now. Uh, that way you don't have to think about it in the future. And I feel like it, it does well for uh, lower end communities because uh, obviously I know make, maybe making the second appointment due to work or family or other commitments that they have can be difficult. So it's better to kind of condense that into one process for them. And that way they don't even have to think about it again and get back to their daily routines. Um, but again, this pause in and in, in recall, honestly, of the vaccines comes uh, about a week or two before as well, or after, I should say, of the uh, facility in Baltimore uh, that was supplying uh, some of the Johnson Johnson vaccine. By, by the way, these are like third party vendors that were creating it. And these were pretty much like faulty, um, old and expired vaccines that they had and were potentially going to distribute to hospitals and, and pharmacies. And that's really concerning um, because we want to make sure that everybody has a safe process getting their vaccinations and such. And again, the vaccination rate has been pretty high uh, thus far. I think over uh, specifically with J&J, over 7 million people have been administered the, the vaccine. But again, like the same symptoms are prevalent in this vaccine as Pfizer's and Moderna's. But again, this this concern now of them pulling them off the shelf is really uh, horrifying for the people that have already taken it. Uh, and again, my girlfriend's one of them. She hasn't experienced any severe symptoms uh, besides, you know, feeling, you know, cold, hot, um, feeling fatigued, having uh, pain at the injection site of the vaccine. So it's a lot of things to think about. And I hope that they figure this out soon because there's a lot of families waiting for answers to many questions that they have. What are the long-term uh, effects of this? And and I think another thing to really clarify is that all these vaccines have an expiration date. So all of us thinking that, you know, once we get vaccinated, we get our two doses or one dose, we're done. It's only going to last us till about October. And and that's pretty much about to be the peak, you know, when, when the cold weather starts coming in again. Um, so who knows what winter is going to look like this year for us. It's going to be really concerning. But I uh, just wanted to bring that up because, you know, some of the listeners even probably had the J&J vaccine or probably asking many questions. So, you know, is anything going to happen to me? Yeah, it's uh, it's wild because like it just seemed like such a cascade of events that are I mean, you could almost say we're unrelated. They just happen to be by the same company. It's right. like uh, they there's going to be a, a like a log jam of distributed vaccines and then. Oh, by the way, there is blood clots that have been caused by the J&J one. Now, one of the things I saw that kind of, you know, it's always in this debate that kind of, you know, rears its head every once in a while. But they said, it's like the math was about one in a million people had these blood clots, right? Yeah. Like for the, it was like six people out of like 6.7 million people who have received it or something like that. Um, so one in a million. One of the things I saw was that a most, if not all, but I'm just going to go with most, most forms of birth control have a one in 1,000 chance of forming blood clots in the person who takes them. And I was just like, huh, maybe, just maybe, my my thought process here, maybe the J&J blood clot situation may not be as horrible as we think given that context and i have heard many 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 things about uh just 
how birth control messes with you, how it thoroughly rearranges aspects of your hormones and even how you feel about yourself. It Mm -hmm. messes with you to that severe of an extent. And I'm just curious, like, what is there something they're not telling us? Like, is there something other than these blood clots that is making the CDC pull them? Because if it's just the blood clots, then does the CDC need to look at other things? You know, like, do we need to start evaluating? Not, I mean, obviously you don't want, if you told me there's a one, Theo, there's a one in one million chance that if you get the J and J vaccine, you'll de- develop severe blood clots. I'd be like, give me the vaccine. It wouldn't matter <laughs> to me, obviously. But right. If you told me, hey, Theo, here's a medicine almost everyone takes, but there's a one in one thousand chance something's gonna happen to you. Amidst amidst a million other things that'll happen to you, you know what I mean? I think if we frame it that way, we'll understand that. Maybe just maybe we're not doing a good enough job of either a being rational about the vaccine because everyone wants some reason to not like it or b as we all actually know, we're not doing a good enough job taking care of the women. That is an undeniable fact. We've never as a country, as a a system of individuals, country, uh, country notwithstanding, uh, have have done a good enough job taking care of women. So. When I saw that, I was like, hmm, maybe just maybe this is just to ease public fear, right? The last thing you want is more vaccine hesitancy. You don't exactly. want that. No, nope. but if you're looking at it, Michigan is going just down the drain. Michigan, like I've seen it so like the cases and the percent positivity in Michigan be so bad that some people have called for them to like literally close the state. They're going, it's uh, percent positivity and cases per, I think, 1 million people going up in New Jersey, in New York, a lot of Northeast states. Maryland's back up to a percent positivity just shy of 6%. Um, When, like, in mid-February, we were looking at, like, almost two and a half. Um, They're outside of this past Sunday, because I check every day, outside of this past Sunday, we've had over a thousand cases a day every day um, for like the last three or four months, ever since they opened the state again, basically. And my just my curiosity is the reason why we opened to the extent that we opened is because there were a state like the the projections were that with how many vaccines were producing the number of immune people will eventually outnumber the number of people who can be infected. Right. Um, Now my concern is with that in mind, with the fact that these single shot vaccines won't be going out and won't be available at pharmacies or mass vaccination sites. Since the rate of people getting vaccinated will I mean, mathematically have to go down and the cases are going up. What's going to happen in about two weeks? Like, yeah. do we have a situation where we thought we'd be out of the woods? And since this whole J and J situation with the vaccines getting pulled makes it so that we may have gone a little too early with reopening things. Because right. now we're in a situation where the cases are going up, but the vaccinations are going up. There's no way to stop the cases now. Nope. Like it's like the people who would have gotten COVID literally today won't test positive for maybe 10 more days. 
I agree. So like it's going up and up and up and up. And I mean, honestly, I'm getting my second vaccine in uh, how many days is that? 10, 10 days. I'm getting my second shot. Yours is in a week, isn't it? Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Yours is next week. Mine's on the 24th. I mean, obviously, like I still, you know, want my vaccine. I still want to get it. I don't I mean, it's a Pfizer vaccine, but I still personally wouldn't be scared of a Moderna. I mean, I wouldn't be scared of a J&J vaccine personally, because if you're saying, okay, Theo, there's if you get this vaccine, you might get blood clots. But I've seen people go through an infinitely worse time actually having COVID. I think I'll be okay, transparently. Like I have seen people go through hell having COVID. Yeah. I'm not. I'm more afraid of COVID than anything else. I'm so scared. And I need that vaccine tomorrow, today, yesterday. I'd drink it if I needed to. It wouldn't matter. Like I really want it. And personally, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I understand. You don't want people to be afraid of the vaccine. Because we've basically figured out that people are no longer afraid of COVID if they never were in the first place. Yeah. But hey, those are my two cents. But this is also my podcast. So therefore, you did come for my two cents. Technically. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah. In a week. And hey, in technically three weeks, you'll be good for you'll be 95% good for six months. Correct. That That's is correct. Good. That's not bad. That's pretty, pretty solid. Hey. I'll take it. It's like it's like a it's like a light shield. You know what I mean? Exactly. Ma- I mean, I know you're not as big of a fan of masks as I am, but you know. I mean, hey, I'm not against masks. Again, like it's our biggest deterrent against the virus. That's the best way we can protect each other when we yeah. need to be in in the company of each other. But um, you know, obviously, life before that was much more grand, uh, grandiose, and we were able to interact with people and and not feel. Because for me, the only reason that I kind of resent it is because it takes me away from the things I enjoy and the people I like to do those things with. Um, and it makes me super concerned that I don't want to be an infliction on anybody's you know, families or anything like that. And so I, I kind of have that overthinking phase of that. You know, I've been to work or I've been to the grocery store. Let me just stay home for like a week and not see anybody just to just for my own like personal vendetta and not to make anybody feel as if they're at risk because of me. Right. Um, and again, like, I don't even want to be that person to, to promote those type of things and people, you know, going out, yes, live your life. Like, I think that's important, but, um, you know, be cautious with, with what you do, um, because the virus is still going around. I think what's worse is people that have already had the virus feel as if they're immune now. And, and, I don't know how many times we've kind of had those reoccurring cases yet, but I feel like it's bound to occur and COVID is just going to be like a common cold type of thing. Um, but it's, it's scary to see how people have honestly been living their lives even through the whole pandemic and been okay. Um, I, I hear a lot of the time people that are going out are less likely to get the virus than those who are staying home. Some people that are staying home are getting it and it's just weird. Uh, how how everything is so flipped in that regard. Um, so again, I think living your life to the fullest is great, uh, especially if you're young. But uh, be be do it with caution. And as if you know that, um, and even Theo mentioned this on my podcast, if you know you're living with uh, your elderly grandmother or grandfather, and you know they can, you know, potentially be at risk to this, 
it's better to make sacrifices for the people you love. Um, and, and that's should also be your rationale and reasoning to go out and get vaccinated as well to protect yourself, your family, your friends, those that you confide in, because it's going to be a long battle to, to get back to reality. And, and, and it's sad when I look at other countries like Australia, just living their lives, going to clubs, having fun. And we're still in this like black box of unknowns. And it's just super, you know, mortifying because I just feel like the lives that we could have been living now are like at the other side of this pandemic. And many people are still questioning the authenticity of the vaccine. So until we get to this common ground and middle ground uh, where people are comfortable getting the vaccine, we're, we're going to be stuck in this uh, pandemic situation for a while. So, um, yeah, buckle, buckle up and, and be ready for any more lockdowns, uh, potentially, especially as the weather is getting warmer and more people are going out. Yeah. Whew. One of these days we'll be free. One Don't know days. when. One Hopefully. Days. Yeah, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying soon. But uh, at the same time, it's it's about the safety of others and 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 really just us building, you know, a, com- a common ground, a camaraderie of of understanding around this pandemic and the science behind it too. But sure. yeah. well, so now we've reached a great point where I'm just asking you questions. Yeah, uh, we're ready to. You're are you ready to be a guest for the first time, bro? I've been I've been a guest the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. Bro. <laughs> All right, so. First question I had, just off the dome, right? Yeah. How did you decide you wanted to start a podcast? Uh, so just to give some backstory, this the Wonder Wednesday podcast in general wasn't a podcast. It was just a series idea that I had when I was 15, 14 or 15 on my YouTube channel. You can find the first episode of Wonder Wednesday over there. But um, yeah, it just it was like a commentary based thing because at the time, Call of Duty commentaries were huge at the time. You know, it was people talked about things over gameplay, talked about the game, talked about life, talked about the news, pop culture, et cetera. And that's just kind of the thought process I had. You know, I, I remember even doing uh, some research on the internet just to see if the name was taken because I was just looking for a good name that nobody else had. I just, I like to be different with everything that I do. So I like to make sure I'm the only one that came up with the idea. And from what I saw at the time, uh, there was no other Wonder Wednesdays or anything like that. So that's what I decided to call it. Um, and, you know, other people have had series similar uh, for other days of the week. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, Thirsty Thursdays or Talking Tuesdays. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I just thought of it as like a place to vent and give my thoughts, opinions, emotions, and uh, kind of appeal to people who are in my age range or even older and honestly like i was looking back at some of my uh, wonder wednesdays i was really inspirational i was like oh where did i get all this knowledge at such a young age but it was just uh, it was a great thing it, it kind of allowed me to vent out a little bit because my other videos are more you know playful you know video game based things me just hanging out with friends um so it, it was like a nice place to to just be with me myself and my thoughts and, and express that to an audience but you know, starting the podcast itself, uh, I was just really, I, I had like a, I met some people when I was in New Jersey, when I was actually interning at J and J, it's funny enough. Um, and they were just cool people. And I was like, Hey guys, like I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I bought my blue snowball around that time. And I said, Hey, let me just, you know, start recording and have some audiences this time. So that's the twist on it. Uh, as opposed to the original series where it was just me talking. Now I always have uh, unique guests that I bring on some returning guests. Um, 
but yeah, I just want to keep it fresh that way because obviously having a podcast by yourself can, if you're not an expert in your craft or subject, it can be pretty uh, annoying. And honestly, I didn't want to have those situations where I'm reiterating the same things over and over. So it's nice to have uh, an audience uh, or have a, a guest on there, or guests to speak about other things and their thought processes. Because obviously, I'm not going to see eye to eye to them. And that's whole, the whole basis of the series. You know, Wonder Wednesday, what you wonder about, what you're curious about uh, in our you know raging world of so many subjects and topics and, and how we navigate it. So that's the origins. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then, I mean, obviously, I had to have listened to yours before. Uh, <laughs> same here same here I had, to, point. I had to know what i was getting into you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean you do a really good job of staying abreast of current information and really just like spitting that out into like something that's thought-provoking like w- you always spin it like okay here's the here's the fate here's the facts but what do you think about it and i think that's really cool thanks Mom. yes sir yes sir so another question because i'll give you some backstory young me really young me um, if anyone who is somehow by some measure of life is listening to this that went to middle <laughs> school with me knows that I really wanted to go to Penn State when I was younger. Mm. And the reason behind that was because I was really good at football when I was young. Like oh. I was like 12. I was really, really good at it. Um Long story short, it wasn't fun anymore. It was more like a job because we were really good. So people like our coaches were really serious and yeah, like getting hurt is just not a fun thing because you're not a pro. You know, when you're 12 years old and get hurt, you have to go to class hurt. You have to go. You have to ignore all the other sports you want to play. You want to do all the other stuff. So when I was young, I was like, yeah, I'm good enough to play football at a D1 level. I knew right. that when I was young, I knew that, but then I didn't want to play anymore. So then I didn't really want to go to Penn State anymore. Uh, <laughs> but you did. You saw it all the way through. So, sir, tell me, how was that? How is Penn State? What was that like? How did you decide to go there? What's what's the whole thing? Uh, Penn State, Penn State. I mean, I give 100% credit to my mom for bringing up the recommendation to go there because it was a revolutionary time. Uh, Definitely some of my best memories in my life, honestly, uh, come from Penn State. Um, But I I think the cool thing about it is uh, one of my good friends from elementary school, third grade, we're both Ghanaian, both African. Um, Him and I ended up being roommates junior and senior year. So it was just really cool to be in an environment, in a place where, you know, there's somebody that knew me for me and how I act and my emotions and my thought processes and We've ridden bikes and, and kind of just grew up in the same neighborhood. So it was just interesting being in the di- that dynamic and that environment of a PWI. But obviously, Penn State wasn't my first choice. Um, I really wanted, funny enough, I really wanted to go to UMD uh, because my grandpa wanted me. Uh, my fa- a lot of my family were like, you know, stay close to home, all that. Um, and ideally, it just made sense, correct? But uh it was the best decision I ever made in my life to move out to PA um, and just kind of experience an area I'm unfamiliar with. And, and that's one thing that it taught me, you know, going to unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory uh, and learning how to adapt and survive and, and just kind of encompass yourself in that area because every state is different. And PA is no, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, obviously, but there are immense differences uh, from where I've grown up because where we grew up is a much more, you know, minority dominated area. Um, over there, it's 
mostly white. A lot of those kids have grown up, you know, in certain situations their whole life. And it was just really interesting being in classes and and seeing their thought processes to things and how they differed from mine. Um, and that's where I kind of learned about biases and thoughts and beliefs and morals and all that. I feel like Penn State was a really great institution for that. Um, obviously, Penn State got some issues, and I will not lie to you, you know, it definitely doesn't serve its, you know, people of color very well in certain instances. Uh, and even to this day, I still see that uh, occurring, which is sad. But, um, you know, it's a great institution academically that, you know, I found really enriching. And, you know, I just honestly, it's funny because it was one of the last schools I got into and I wasn't like I was still on the fence about where I wanted to go. I was looking to stay in Maryland, but, you know, things just kind of lined up right. And I ended up accepting there and I've made some of the some of the best people I ever met. You know, I, I still talk to to this day type thing. Uh, I met at Penn State. So. It's interesting to hear that you were really eager to get go there, but hey, I think I lived your dream for you, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the things, so I actually have a pretty solid amount of Penn State questions for you. Hey. Um, so one of my friends, like we and I, we, we lived on the same floor freshman year, and now they go to law school at Penn State, but it's mm. like a completely different experience now because they started going to law school there when the pandemic started. Yeah. So they don't really have that much of the the whole situation going but i gotta ask like were you at you were on main campus you were at state college right yeah let me let me actually clarify so i transferred so i was at a branch campus for the first two years past harrisburg yeah harrisburg pa then i transferred over to up um afterwards so kind of like that community college structure but um it honestly was the same experience um, just in the, the, it was just more small scale at, at the branch campus, but yeah. Okay. So just like a fun, like this is, I mean, I, you could say this is a shot, but this is actually just a very genuine question. Yeah. I went to school in a city yeah. and I've always been near cities. Yes. Right? Yes. There was one day I was going to Toronto with my parents. Like we were going to Niagara Falls in Toronto right? and we drove through state college to get there right oh okay i just have to ask just fundamentally mm -hmm. when football season is over yep what do you do nothing honestly okay. it's not as exciting it, life out there i mean if you're not 21 it's not fun uh, I, I won't even lie to you i mean house parties are there um but I feel like as a freshman if football season isn't going on your weekends are pretty dull at some points and I remember like some people sacrifice weekends of studying just to attend football games and tailgates and all that. And it's really like, and those experiences are amazing. And, and those are probably some of the highlights of my time there, but like, yeah, bro, like there's just not much to do when it's not football season. I mean, our basketball team started doing a little better uh, this past year before the pandemic started, but, um, and that gave some people, you know, a semblance of going to, to some sports games then but yeah man i mean outside of that you're just going to house parties you're just going you're just chilling with your friends um or studying and, and honestly by the time football season's over that's around the time people are starting to study for finals so it starts to get a little dull from there but okay now just had another one specifically penn state right yes, sir. do do you feel hypothetically uh-huh there's a there's this moment for a lot of black americans young black americans there's this moment that you when you especially it happens in college a lot but 
Yeah. Uh, you see this in at, when when it happens to athletes, it looks really funny, but it happens to us when we're like 18, 19, 20, around that range in a very controlled situation. I had what I would call my awakening when I went to school, right? Mm. My my third eye opened, you know, and <laughs> and your the, forehead, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the third eye opened. The, I almost joined the onk, right? You know, and the the koofy was on the head. You know, what I mean, I was right. seeing, I was seeing it all, right? Like just how PWI factors into the people you're around, the biases the teachers have. Yes the things that these other kids parents say to you when you're like 14 years old mm-hmm. like it all just starts like the math just starts mathing right mm-hmm. did you have that moment at the main campus did you have it at harrisburg or did you have it in high school definitely i think it, it was when i first entered penn state in general um because again the community i was in predominantly black um not too much like it, it just didn't feel I felt like at home when I'm when I was in high school. It didn't seem different. It wasn't out of my norm, but definitely going into college, didn't really know what to expect. Mind you, I'm a very open-minded person, so I'm not too you know berating of other people for their thoughts, beliefs, their religions, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can handle being around white people. It's I've had a lot of white friends growing up. Even you know the few of them that were in my high school, I, I learned a good amount you know, from them and and how to interact with people like that. So, you know, it wasn't a big culture shock, but again, when it's like you're in a classroom and you're the only black man in there and it's like, it gets to a scenario or a questionnaire during class in which people look to you as if you are the epitome of black culture and and knowing about what's going on. It, It just seems so, you know, odd, you know what I'm saying? It was just an odd situation to be in. And so I just learned how to interact with people like that and people that haven't been in diverse situations as well um, and kind of teaching them um, the means of, you know, respecting our culture, our backgrounds. Um, and, and even, you know, when you go into party culture and you see the frat life, like I just kind of got exposed to a lot of different things. Um, so, you know, I guess, yeah, I had my awakening as well, just kind of understanding things more, uh, getting more foresight and more practical experience of how other people interact in a diverse environments specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I was able to adapt and, and just kind of accept as well that, you know, I am going to be an outcast, but that's okay because, you know, I'm here for, you know, the same education that they are here for. Sure, we come from different financial backgrounds or, you know, means, but it doesn't make me any different from them skill set wise. So, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, just like talking briefly about like my situation. I went to a PWI from third grade to now, basically to when I graduated. Wow. And in yep. each one, I wasn't really noticing what was happening. Like my external circles were very black. They, you couldn't, you technically can't say they're diverse because it's all black people, right? And then when I went to school, it was majority white. It was always a PWI. Right. Then I went to then I went to school at Drexel in Philly. And I just remember it, it just started clicking. Like I, it was like the, my head is spinning when all right. the connections started coming together. And the thing about my friend group now is that it is one of the most diverse groups you could even like think of. Right. So it's like my girlfriend is halfway half Filipino. Right. 
of my best friends, one of them is Nigerian, one of them is black from Houston, one of them is an Indian man who was raised in Jamaica, one of them is Chinese man raised in Long Island, right? Yeah. And this is just, these are just the groups I start kind of like coming in contact with. And I remember just one day I was in school and I don't know where, I don't know what school was on the news or something like that, but they were making, oh, it was Liberty University. That's, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Insider. <laughs> anyway, Liberty University, right? They were on the news because some, some kid uh, made a, made a ice joke, like an immigrant quote unquote joke that was unbelievably racist and it made the mm-hmm. news right and like 25 percent of the people who went to my high school went to that school right wow and i was just like man it's all coming together i i see it now i get it now like it's right. it's all it's all the math is mathing right now and <laughs> i was just like yep i'm glad i'm glad i'm out i'm glad i've made it out you know what i'm saying yeah. it's just a great it's just a great moment looking at it from like the outside you yep. know and I was just thinking, like, I wonder what Penn State's like, because I went to school when there's like five other universities within 30 minutes of my school, you know, yeah. and like you live in a major city. It's a very there is a lot more like Islamic influence in Philadelphia than I could have ever imagined. Like, I learned so much about like Ramadan's like right now, like it's right now. And yeah, I had never started yesterday yep. and I had never observed. I didn't know anyone who observed it. until i went to college and just learning about all the different kinds of cultures and things like that i was just curious you know like what was that like from your end and yeah that was a great response you had yeah yeah actually just to add that yeah i think it's really cool like learning about other religions and cultures like again you're stuck in your own bubble when you grow up you're told that you're handsome you're told that you're amazing from your parents that they love you that your family cares for you all that right like you just you seem like you're the highlight of everything in your own life right but once you get to college, you start to see that other people who also grew up like that come together. And sometimes it can be butting heads. Some people are competing against each other. Um, and especially like I even had a conversation with a, uh, this young uh, sophomore from Cornell who reached out to me. And, you know, I was asking how it is being in an Ivy League because I bet it's super difficult um, to, to kind of be there, especially, you know, as a man of color and all that. And, you know, he just told me, like, he feels it, definitely. But at the same time, there are people there that don't care. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's another place. Like, in college, you really find, like, people who are super in tune to college and others that are only there because of their parents or people of numerous generations have gone to that same university. So it's like they're destined to go there and destined to major in engineering or something in particular, you know? Um, so it's like, again, everybody's family roots and background is different. Everybody's religious backgrounds are different. And you have to respect that, right? And I have no issue with that. And it's nice because I get educated about it and understand how they observe their, you know, their religions, like Ramadan, for example, um, and and why they need to fast. And I think, you know, I'm happy that I actually kind of had that exposure at a young age myself because I have a a friend uh, in particular who is Muslim. And I remember he had to fast uh, around the summertime and I was just like, why? Right. And, you know, he educated me on that and and he gave me some clarity, which was nice. So I'm happy. I was happy to understand that at a young age. but it's it's it sucked for him because like he'd hang out with us and then we're eating ice cream or pizza or burgers and we're out and it's like he's just there like whimpering right because he wants yeah to. but um but yeah great point as well yeah no doubt so 
there's one there's one topic I was about to get into, but I really we're in the flow of it. I have to ask you this, right? Yeah. yeah. So me as a person, I am black American. You've met me. I am mm-hmm. straight out of the Ghirardelli factory dark. You know, <laughs> and, and I have made it a very conscious point in my life to yeah. mention that I'm a black American. I do not actually say I'm African American because yeah. hmm. none of my parents or grandparents or great grandparents or their parents Whoa. have ever been in Africa before. Wow. Like none of them. They've none of them have ever been to Africa, let alone been from Africa. Now, have you taken any, an ancestry test at all? Uh, no, but mm-hmm. the reason why I still wouldn't is because mm-hmm. of like the cultural influence yeah. on it is if I don't have anything to show for that lineage, I don't claim it. I am 100% American. There is no actual tie other than the fact that I am black to the continent of Africa. I, I don't know if I'm West, South, North, East. I mean, I'm probably not, you know, Egyptian, but, you know, we can, <laughs> we can, we can probably only get rid of a few countries at you a time. Dream. You know, I'm not probably not Moroccan, you know what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. So I make it a very specific point that I say that I am a black American. I have no, no, nothing to tie me back to Africa from a cultural standpoint or a biological lineage standpoint, as far as my grandparents and down. Even great. Even great grandparents, all Americans. Right. So for you, you are an African-American, your parents or definitively, you know, yes. and I just want to ask you on that front, mm-hmm. how different from your perspective, having African parents and you make content around your parents and things like that, how different is that experience having that kind of influence in your life, being both an American and having like your roots be tied to a content, like a continent that right. most people in America have never even been to? It's an interesting experience. And again, like the African diaspora is super unique uh, in many different facets. And again, it, it makes great content because African families have their own set of biases and beliefs and morals that they have been taught from generation to generation. And they kind of put that on their children, especially them being immigrants from their country and coming into America. Um, even though they maybe have made that, you know, success of coming to the country and establishing a life for themselves, they want their children to do better. Uh, so they ingrain that and they instill that into them at a very young age. So that's kind of like what I kind of grew up understanding and, and understanding that methodology. But um, it is interesting just, you know, looking that I, I can kind of look back at my own culture and background. I can go back to my roots, my country uh, and see my great grandmother who is still there. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And I even understand the language and speak it myself. Um, so it's nice to be bilingual in a sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting experience because um, growing up, uh, you're looked at differently, you know, especially to the black Americans or as we like to say, uh, yeah, Katas. And so what it is, is that, you know, you are kind of, you, you think differently than those that have already, you know, kind of established that they are Americans here. Um, and, and sometimes it can be, you can butt heads with people about that too, because, uh, you know, they might not understand or know their lineage, uh, but are curious possibly. Um, I, even funny enough, yesterday, there was um, some kids that I saw and 
their uh, their their dad, I think, was Nigerian. Yeah. And they well, my dad asked him, like, you know, where's your dad right now? And he was like, Oh, he's in Texas. Um, yeah, and he was just saying you guys need to be more in tune with your culture and stuff because obviously they have grown up in America their whole lives. They don't really uh subscribe to their background in Nigeria. And all he knew was like, oh, I mean, I know my dad, you know, comes from Lagos, right? But he didn't know where Lagos was, right? So it, that's what concerns me about like maybe the youth who are immediate, um, you know, descendants of immigrants that don't know their cultural backgrounds. Your situation is different because again, for generations now, you have your family has claimed to be American. So it's understandable for you to claim being an Af uh, a black American as opposed to African-American. And there shouldn't be any um, discrepancies, I feel like, between those two. Um, now, I another thing I kind of want to cover is that like, I feel like there's always confusion between those two. And I think we've already kind of addressed it, but do, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you feel like in the workplace, would you, would you feel offended if somebody said uh, you are my African-American colleague or something, for example? No, like I okay. understand it's not coming from a place of like disdain or like, like ill will or anything like that. Like if you call me African-American, I'm not going to be like, don't you dare call me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to take offense to it. But if you ask me to identify myself, I'll give that reason, like the reason I gave you, because I, I, from personally, it's really just out of respect. Yeah. Like, I don't have anything to, like, tie me in from my perspective. Right. And I understand that there is a definitive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But there is, there is, there is certain, there's a certain, I wouldn't say edge, but just, it's a different culture. Right. Coming from Africa, having Af like African born parents, whether it like you're I mean, you're Ghanaian, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Correct. Like, that's that's the situation. A lot yep. of a good number of my friends are that I met through school are Ghanaian or Nigerian. And the things that they tell me are so different of an upbringing than what I go have gone through. Yeah. And just the international student experience obviously you were you're you're an american citizen so that makes it you know a little different yeah. but just people i know who are legitimately have been born in a separate country and then come to school in the united states the things they go through are off the charts insane and just thinking like oh i've never had to even think about that i've yeah. never had to worry about something like that i i put myself in the category i put myself in out of respect for all the things that they go through and the different heritage that they have and res and like respect for you know just the traditions that they have but right. if someone is like oh the like if someone's like yeah theo's like african american and they just described me plainly like that in like a social setting i'd be like yeah it's fine like <laughs> i'm not going to be mad at them or anything but for myself, I would say it that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm only asking because I see people that get offended by that sometimes. They're like, no, I'm not African. I don't have ties to Africa. Call me a black American or black. You know what I'm saying? I think, in my opinion, it, it's fair to just say black because we all fall under that umbrella, right? That is, you yeah. know, blatantly our skin color and our background. So I think. If you're going to generalize, if you don't know an individual, um, it's better to just say they're black. So, but no, yeah. that's 100%. But I, I admire that you do not take offense to African Americans. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I've never actually heard of that. People being unhappy about that. I've yeah. never heard of that before. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, everybody has their own little connotations to it. But because um, growing up, again, even at, 
growing up for me, it was a little difficult because, hey, you need to kind of fit the description, the swagger, the, the I guess, the status that certain Black Americans put onto, you know, uh, African-Americans who come into schools and, you know, try to fit in and, and kind of morph into versions of them. Because um, I've kind of, I've seen people that have come from Ghana or come from Africa, and then they become completely different versions of themselves when they get here, uh, when they start hanging around the wrong pr- crowd and such, right? Um, and that's, I guess that's another thing I kind of learned growing up is that, you know, my parents didn't want me to work with people who had malicious intents or were volatile in any type of way and to just stay out of trouble. So, uh, you know, that was kind of me. I was always kind of like the goody two shoes and staying away from, from any violent people um, that could cause issues. Cause growing up, I, I, again, associated with many different people. Some of them were good. Some of them weren't the greatest of people, but like I knew their, their hearts. So it's like, I know when I hang around you, there won't be any issues, but out externally, they have other factors that, you know, influence their lives. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And like, as you're saying, like, I've definitely uh, morphed my content, especially in TikTok around like the African and diaspora and how they discipline their children, how they grow up, how um, they must act in certain ways, or uh, what is the rationale of them leaving home uh, to do other things besides studying and getting into good colleges and being, you know, in the STEM or STEAM category of jobs only, because that's all they kind of see at this point. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's been an interesting experience growing up and it's taught me a lot of things. And I feel like it's, it saved me as well because um, some of those same lessons have, you know, been a good positive influence on me. And now I'm being a positive influence uh, on my siblings simultaneously. It's awesome. Yeah, I definitely was really looking forward to asking you that. Uh, and you know, I think that just understanding that there's so many nuances in people groups themselves, uh, like even, even a really simple example, you're from the DMV and I'm not. Yeah. Like that's true. I, I, I remember when the term got really popular, it was like 2012, 2013 yep. and people in like the middle of like Westminster were saying they were from the DMV. And I'm like, you're not, you're not, <laughs> you're, you, you really aren't like and we, I mean, you and I know the rule. Look up, look up the DC Metro map. If you can see where you would live, then that's where you're in it. But yeah. if you can't see where you would live, then you're not there. It's pretty exactly. straightforward. Easy. But uh that comes with its own culture that comes with its own you know just level of understanding how you dress how you address each other the food you like all that stuff too so you know just like wanting to just talking about the different styles we have and upbringings we have is really cool you know yep yes sir absolutely um so now for oof something i've been looking forward to ever since i heard you had a podcast this is <laughs> This is really what we're here for. So we briefly mentioned earlier on that we are both in long-term relationships. Yeah. You, even more specifically, of all the coincidences and commonalities we have, you're the only person I know that's in a relationship at the length that you've been in that also isn't engaged, just like me. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) Like all these other people around me, are my age it feels like they're either in a relationship that's 
a, like a little less than like a year and a half. It's like a year and a half and down. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Or engaged. There is no in between. Wow, no in between. That's so wild. It is great. You are the only relationship in my like primary friend group. Actually, no, there's one more. There's one more. All right. Yeah. I'll add one more. So you're the only one that's this long, at least like there. I, it was a very strange time when I went into college with a relationship same it yeah. was like it was like magic to other people they're like how is this happening i'm like it's yeah. just happening you right. know you just work for it um and one of the things that i really just wanted to holler at you at you know what i'm saying callie's a great person Allie and her best friends they're in the same group chat that group chat is blowing up 24 nothing with audio they like, don't even be texting sometimes they'd be doing like the audio chats like, yeah each other voice memos like, oh my the... goodness i'm like this is <laughs> this is an information network right now right. and i i'm just like man these they are really good friends and i just had to ask just off just for you yourself and callie how'd you run into callie how'd you meet callie and it's been almost six years just tell me about it yeah, I mean, we met in high school, uh, 2015, and through a study group. Funny enough, um, okay, and we we kind of had mutual friends that we didn't know of, uh, but she was in the same. We were in the same um, computer graphics class together, and like I, I eyed her a little bit sometimes, but like I didn't know her, so I never approached her or anything like that. It wasn't until, uh, and I remember like I was doing like job interviews at that time. Um, that like i saw my friends they're all at a study group near me and i was like hey like you know I, I'm, I'm nearby i have nothing else to do i'm gonna stop by and see how everybody's doing right um and usually like hey i don't get to hang out with my friends after school often because i always had track practice or club uh meetings and such so it was like a rare instance of me being available around that time um so i, I headed over you know i saw she was there um and some of my other friends were there you know, briefly introduce myself and kind of hit it off from there. I mean, ever since then, you know, I saw her more in my computer graphics class and we still started talking more. Um, funny enough, she started liking me before I liked her. Yes, sir. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I did have that initial interest and, you know, we kind of got together after that and we've been going ever since. I mean, it's been, it's been tough. It's been a long, you know, arduous journey together, but, you know, it's been worth it. And, you know, she's a really amazing woman. So you know, I'm happy to kind of see her grow and develop into who she is and, and being a part of that process, too. I think that's how relationships uh, take form and and kind of keep that that long lasting flair. Um, even, you know, some people probably look at long term relationships as, oh, it's over type thing or it'll end soon because you're not together as much anymore. But when I tell you, I sacrificed my weekends and and time and it was just it was difficult like taking buses back and forth um because again i, I wasn't driving at the time uh, earlier on it, it was hard you know it was, it was really difficult um but I, I i admire myself and i you know give myself some compassion as well to be able to balance all of that with school because you know obviously college comes with its own challenges and um and even you know i missed out on things too i won't even lie like that's another thing uh, that also contributed you know to to the relationship but you know when something's worth it you you kind of keep going with it and so that's that's kind of our our love story for now yeah man uh it, it's something because 
and you and you and I briefly mentioned this uh, when we were talking this weekend, but just kind of bring it up again. The long distance aspect was completely different between you and me. Yeah. So yeah. you were in Harrisburg and then you were in State College and Cali's in Towson, right? Yeah. There is no mass, like easy mass transport option between State College and Towson. Like, yeah. People in State College have never heard of Towson before. Yeah. You know nope. what I mean? Like, like Most likely no. Like what's Towson? You know what I'm saying? People in Philadelphia are like, what's it? people in Philadelphia know what Towson is because Drexel and Towson are in the same conference. Conference, yep. So it's like, okay. And for me, it was way easier doing the long distance. Well, transportation-wise, it was easier doing the long distance because it's a highway. I-95 will take you from Philadelphia to Towson in an hour and 45 minutes. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. If I yeah. want to take Amtrak, it's an hour, right? But expensive. It, it's pricey, very pricey, but it'll get me there, right? But you, though, you're, I mean, not to be completely rude, but pen, pen, the middle of Pennsylvania is indistinguishable than any other middle nah, of yeah. anywhere the heart else. Of PA. Yeah, like <laughs> you are in the middle of Pennsylvania, and if you drop someone from any other major city in the middle of Pennsylvania and said, guess what state this is, they could guess <laughs> literally any state they could. Um, how, just the sacrifice you mentioned it before the, the the level of communication like what does it take what does it take to do the p the the penn state to towson connection just from your perspective hey, if we're if we're trying to give like rules or uh i guess tips and tricks then uh i mean yeah as you said communication is key i think that's like the main manifest of uh, a long distance relationship that's the only way you're going to keep in contact with each other see what each other's up to um and just kind of keep that that conversation going because if it runs dry then uh the relationship itself runs dry as well so you got to keep things interesting um and and change things up too obviously you're not always on the phone talking you're probably you know we, we definitely have had some movie nights and then i even watched all the pretty little liars through facetime with her <laughs> pretty crazy time but um but yeah you know it's all it's really just like the small things um that go a long way in those type of situations because there's only so much you can do. There's some weekends that I couldn't make it because again, I was even a student athlete uh, while juggling school. And, and even, you know, later on in my college career, I was juggling multiple jobs on top of it and, and clubs and organizations and leadership roles. So it, it really just compounded. Um, and it's really just how you base and, and manage your time. Cause obviously, you know, you're going to have classes, your significant other is going to have classes as well. Um, so that those type of things kind of keep you on your toes and busy. Um, you have routines, going to the gym, spending time with some of your friends, whatever the case is. Um, but yeah, you know, as a crash course, like just kind of keep the faith, be be hopeful, um, and just make things interesting as much as you can because um, you know it, it's a two way street for both of you, and, and you're both kind of battling the same thing. So uh, when you're able to address each other's needs, it helps. Um, kind of mend things and, and for it to be better. Um, you know, my girlfriend would easily communicate with me, you know, Callie would tell me, you know, hey, come down this weekend. Like I'm, I'm feeling down. Maybe, you know, finals are coming up or whatever. And it would uplift her that I'm there. So um, all those small little things uh, really, you know, substantiated the, the you know, longevity and uh, the time frame of our relationship. So, and, and, you know, it's funny now because now we're in close proximity. It's like easier to see each other and 
it's a different experience, you know what I'm saying? But it's nice because it's like now we don't have to resort to always calling each other. We can now just pop up in each other's houses. And it's it's just normal now. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things I, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned. Yeah, I definitely mentioned this because I, I made the joke about it in a different episode. But um, it was weird that first little section because I you and Cal, you and Callie were the same high school graduating class, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Finished okay, high so school together. Al- yep. So Allie and I aren't. Like, uh-huh. I graduated high school before she did. Right. Like, I'm right. a year older. Yep. And we started dating after I graduated. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I mean, technically, did that make any sense? Eh, and whatever. It happened. You know? <laughs> it and, happened. Hey, you're, um, you're, 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 and here we are. Um, and the thing that was interesting, because I went to college, and I went to college, one, basically with no money, but two, <laughs> without an iPhone. Oh so man, me too. It was in the I was in the trenches trying to like communicate with her with what was going on and all that. Yeah. And one of the things we're definitely gonna get into like our individuals, like you know, personalities, our significant others, you know, quirks and whatnot. But one of the things that was really hard for her is here's me, someone who had a turbulent entry into our relationship with my poor decision making prior to us being together. And I was living on a floor in a dorm in a major city that had other women on it. Yeah. Like I was in a co-ed floor, right? So her senses are heightened the entire time. If I take 15 seconds too long to text her back, it's over. You know what I'm saying? The the worst thoughts in the world are coming to her head. And I had a lot of growing myself to do just communication wise and, you know, just everything like that. Cause the previous relationship I was in did not have any good parameters or all that, you know, what I'm Boundaries, it was, yeah. no, no, it was, was it even a relationship? No, it was more like a shell company. You know what I'm saying? So it was, <laughs> it, it, was it just was what it was. I was in a relationship <laughs> by in name only for the, like the last half of it, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so I had a lot of growth to do on my own. And one of the things that I noticed was just like, man, Theo, there are so many tiny things you can do to make her day better. Just like things I would never think of just because I'm a guy or whatever, because our love languages are a little different or whatever, that I could do this one thing, text her a little more often, hit her on Snapchat a little more often. And like, it makes her day better just by communicating. And I was like, maybe, maybe that you can make this work with your potato phone theo you know what i'm saying and those kinds of things kind of just like lead into having a good relationship foundation just looking out for the things that bother them you know what i'm saying really good communication all that stuff it's crazy yeah definitely so now we gotta get to the real juicy stuff real juicy you know what i mean real real this is top of the line content you'll only get it here on the theo keeps talking podcast Kevin, your girlfriend is a K-pop stan. Oh, man. We're getting into it. I just have to ask. Yep, yep. What, is it, like, what is it like dating a K-pop stan? Like, what, what does that entail? Oh, man. It entails you going to concerts, uh, trying to get tickets uh, that are freaking hard as getting a PS5, them having fan accounts, them having biases, them having... All these different things. And it's just super interesting when you kind of look deep into it because it's just, I don't know. It's just a different experience. You know what I'm saying? Especially in the K-pop stand community, I think those 
fans and that fandom in general is super cult. You know what I'm saying? Like they just hardcore, they go hardcore for their, their fandom and their bias. And they just base their whole like, like personality and aroma around that individual. And they know all the facts and everything. So it's like, you get all that spewed onto you and it's like, uh, you know, right. Um, but I mean, in all, in actuality, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see too much wrong with it because again, these are super freaking K-pop stars that are million billionaires actually um, that, you know, sell a bunch, bunch of records and such. So, you know, it's nothing more than that. And obviously I've also attended the concert. So I've seen them in person and seen them live. And I like the band themselves too. Like I love BTS. I think they're amazing. I've listened to other K-pop artists out of that and I've become more of an avid K-pop listener as well. So, you know, it's, it's nice because now I'm diverging also into different types of music genres, um, which is also cool. And I'm an avid music listener. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it comes with its annoyances, obviously. Um, <laughs> it, it, it can be, you know, it, it can get in the way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, when Exposure. you're being compared to all these super, you know, amazing, yeah. coordinated, yep. like dancers and, you know, choreography and all this stuff. And it's like, here I am just working a, you know, a basic job and here they are living their lives, traveling and have so many girls running on their tail. Right. I mean, Hey, <laughs> is what it is. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't really bother me too much. Hey, I, it's funny. My friends and I, uh, like to compare, <laughs> uh, like which female celebrity we like more. Oh God. Uh, between like Zendaya and Alicia, Car- Alicia Cara. And like one of my friends loves Alicia Carr so much, right? And it's like you you try to compare Zendaya at all. He's like Zendaya's trash. Like she can't do anything. Malcolm and Marie was trash. Like it was just such an ugly relationship. Like she all that stuff. Like he's just always berating us, right? But yeah, she doesn't get mad about me having that. That you know, hey, you know Zendaya is awesome. She's cute. I think she's cool, right? Um, obviously, because I'll never be able to date her ever, probably, right? Just as if she won't be able to uh, with a K-pop star. So, again, don't really care too much. I remember I was a little weirded out at the beginning. But, um, you know, hey, I, being that I've experienced the concerts myself, uh, it doesn't really bother me as much anymore. Mm. That's a really interesting answer. Because, like, I don't our relationship, Ali's and I's, is so different in terms of the <laughs> lines of that. Because I remember we were at the park this past week. and like Callie was whatever the thing she was holding it had is his name Nam June is that the name is that the right name right Kim Nam uh, yeah Kim Tae Young okay. actually sorry okay Kim Tae Young yeah. okay so but either either her or Bez had a Nam June thing right and they were <laughs> and I was like what is that because it has their face on it and it yeah yeah like, like it, it was a coffee like yeah and I asked Allie what is that Thing that they're like, I, I thought it was hairspray because it's in that <laughs> right. like yeah, the, the like, container really looked like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why are they just carrying that? Like, I know they take a lot of pictures, yeah. and it has this K-pop dude's face on it. Why would why would it be anything other than like cosmetics? And then like Callie starts opening it and drinking it. I'm like, what? What it? What is that? And it's like, oh, it's a latte. I'm like, oh, what? They're like, yeah, they just sell the latte with their face on Faces it. On People it. buy it. I'm Duh. like, what? This is crazy. Right. And just like, just I, I just find it hilarious because with Ali, she she's not into real. Well, okay, let, let's let's back it up. We got it. <laughs> we got to start from the top. All right. 
Allie was a One Direction stan. Huge. Okay. Bigger, bigger Every than girl. Big. Every right, girl. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, she loved them more than most things ever, right? <laughs> and I just had to get used to that. Like, that was, like, she was entering the tail end of that phase of her life when we yeah. started dating. But it was still there. The embers were still there. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was just like, huh, I don't. I had it. Okay. You know, just like, okay. And I remember there was one time they broke up, like One Direction broke up. Yep. And I just told you the story. Zane had released Pillow Talk. And I was like, Great song. Great song, by the way. And I was like, I came home to her from school. She was still in high school when this happened, I think. And I was talking to her. I was like, Hey, I listened to that song, Pillow Talk. It got a little, it got a little Wayne remix verse on it. That was kind of good. I think Zane's got a good career going for him, right? She didn't talk to me for 30 straight minutes. Like <laughs> dead silence. Because she was so unhappy about uh, them breaking up. And I was just uh, like, man, this is something else. But Allie used to be into like the Vine Boys. She was really into them. Like the the Carter Reynolds. Carter Reynolds. The, uh, oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. The, the, but, but now she thinks he's trash now. It's funny, yeah. Matt Espinoza. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah. really, really into those guys. And I decided yeah. to kind of, you know, I was just kind of there with it, right? And there was, a, some, there was a some point in time where I was, like, younger, like, 2017, 2018, where, like, there was points in time where I would be, like, go on Instagram. And, you know, I would double tap on, like, a celebrity here or there. And she'd be like, right. what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, I'm just liking their pictures. She goes, don't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? Don't do that. And she's like, I don't like when you do that. I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. Now it's gone so far. Like you, you're like, yes, Zendaya is cute. I don't have any opinion either way. I have no opinion on any woman. That's not my girlfriend. That's how life is. You know what I'm saying? Not, uh-huh. this, not it. Who? Who's Zendaya? Don't know who that is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're, we don't even know who that is these days, right? We and don't. I guess not. No, no, no. Who even is that? Uh, <laughs> but Allie really, really, really likes anime characters. Okay. Like, she really Fair. likes anime characters. So, for example, from My Hero, she really likes Todoroki. I got her a Todoroki backpack one day. Just one day, I just saw it. And I was like, she would like this. And she loves him, right? She really loves Karapika from Hunter Hunter. Really, really does. We call him Pika for short. Is and he the she... green hair guy? No, no, no. That is the dude with the chains. Okay, I haven't seen it. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Cool. There, you're, then you're fine. Um, you gotta watch Hunter Hunter. You gotta watch. I got to. Yeah, we you know. have to. I will. Um, invincible and... first. Yes. Um, Ar- <laughs> she loves Armin from Attack on Titan. We also call him Pika because he kind of looks like Karapika, so we call him Pika too. She loves Kakashi. Kakashi loves Kakashi. Who doesn't love Kakashi? And I'm just like, here I am. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm in the no man's land. There's no celebrity I care about in any given way. I don't care about any animated character. But not even man. N- no, no, there is not even there is not a single, and I mean a single human being other than my girlfriend that I have any opinion about. That's I got how it you. Is. I got you. And it's like the like she'll like and I don't know. It's just a rewiring of my brain. Like one day she was like. Hey, Theo, do you remember like this? Like, so like, I remember Callie when she first brought up Callie that she was in the same group chat with her. I was like, who's that? Not because I didn't <laughs> necessarily remember who it was, but I'm like, I'm not, I don't remember any other woman outside of my girlfriend. They don't exist. They cease to exist. Right. Cause there is one time she brought up this girl. She was like, Hey, yo, 
uh, do you remember like so and so? And I was like, Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. She goes, Oh, you remember her, huh? And I was like, Oh Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't want to be in the <laughs> feedback loop. I see. Nah, nah. So that day, that was like in 2018. Ever since that day, don't know anybody. Who's that? Don't know. No idea. But Theo, you met her last week, don't know. Maybe. Like, like who who even is that? You know what I'm saying? So I was just curious that like the dynamic you two have with that, because Cali loves these dudes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 difficult, man. Like even <laughs> at the concerts, it's like literally all her attention's on them, and it's like I'm just here, just vibing, vibing, yeah, <laughs> literally just vibing. In the I am corner. nothing. I am nothing she, but a coat rack. <laughs> knows knows all the yep yeah, knows all the lyrics, just over there reciting everything and and getting emotional about them, and then here I am just. Holding the jacket, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny because, like, we, you and I couldn't look any different than the people they like. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you, you, you on your best, on your best that you couldn't look like them. Because they're arguably, I mean, they, they, like, they got the money. They got, they can be Gucci down if they want. So you know I mean, but like, even fundamentally, they're like Korean men. Man, <laughs> you know, okay, that? that too. That too. <laughs> I, can't, like, I can't do that. There's Bleach nothing my skin you like Michael Jackson. I mean, like, I there's nothing you can do. I cannot look like a dude who has half right hair, half red hair, shoots yeah. ice out of one hand and fire out the other hand. I cannot yeah. do it. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot look like Kakashi. Ever, you know what I'm saying? No shiring gun in this side. No, never. You know what I'm saying? And it's just really funny just looking at that that dynamic because obviously our relationships are so fundamentally strong, but it's just so funny because Allie's all like fictional characters. But right. Callie's in the realm of literal live human beings. <laughs> so I'm just like, I wonder what that's like. Just yeah. curious, it's you know. Interesting but, dynamic. Hey, yeah. If they're listening, we love our girlfriends more than anything else on this earth. But we just had to put we just had to, you know and talk about that just men yeah. you know guy to guy relationship to relationship because there's not that many other people who are in relationships as similar as ours you know what i'm saying right. i agree be like that so last few last few things um first you said you're you mentioned this like last time we were talking you run a lot and you ran track in high school did and you get a little bit of college yep. and did you so you carried that did you do like d1 level at penn state did you do like club like what was that like i mean no not d1 level but uh it was cool i mean competitive still regardless but honestly initially i wasn't even thinking about running in college because i was like bro like college i want to focus on my education you know it's going to be a tough process and you know especially as a freshman i want to make sure i transition well so bro I, I just wanted to come in with the best mindset long story short i got enticed and convinced uh by some of the team members and they just kind of show me that i can balance everything else so i ended up running but um i'm a mid-distance runner i was a mid-distance runner still am i guess but um i love running long distance for the most part you know eight nine ten miles sometimes um haven't really been doing that as much but i want to start getting back into it because i want to eventually run like a half marathon and then work my way up to a marathon uh just because you know it's something to kind of a milestone to break because i've never ran that far uh before but yeah i just want to do those type of things but yeah i've been running for a little minute um and i made it out of my own volition you know at the start of high school because growing up i, I never you know I, I did sports here and there but i felt you know kind of left out after my high, uh, my freshman year of high school not doing any sports i just wanted like a dedicated coach and all that and so ended up joining track long story short 
and, and kind of finding my niche and, and finding some passion around running because it, it's therapeutic, it is rejuvenating, and it strengthens me. You know, it gives me some some sense of vitality and a sense of, you know, purpose. And it, it helps with even the most mundane of things as well that maybe I wouldn't want to do, but I end up doing. Um, and, and even the training overall has disciplined me as an individual to get things done and, and to um, abide by the things that I promise to do and such. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and nah, me and running are not, she's not it. <laughs> like, I get bored. I don't know. Like, I, like I feel I, you. I mean, definitely it gets to a point. I mean, depending on how long you're running, like definitely I've had like maybe hour and a half runs and I'm just like, bro, like this is just boring, right? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I mean, I guess the benefit is what I more so look at it as. And it gives you like, you know, because when you're running, you're not really thinking about you're in your own head. Right. And it gives you time to rationalize in your life, um, maybe how the day went, whatever the case is. You, you kind of just go into this moment of, uh, I guess, flow and you're just encompassing yourself in yourself. Um, and I, that usually kind of happens to me. And, and that's where I try to like remove the. Uh, fatigue and a lactic acid that I'm feeling in my thighs as I'm running as well. It's just kind of getting more into my head and not thinking about the externalities of everything. Um, it, it's nice. It's, it, it just kind of gives me a break from reality. Um, and it's, it was really good to have, especially in the middle of my day, uh, especially during college, because it gave me a break from the morning classes and uh, kind of gave me some brevity going into my afternoon. And more, I'm more optimistic and I have like a positive mindset as well. Uh, after my runs so that was also a, a nice benefit like a boost in my uh dopamine now nah, you're now nah, you're you're a psychopath what <laughs> you can think about other things when you're not when you're running nah, i mean nah it, when you run so long and so much it it, it becomes routine so you know That's eventually crazy. it just happens but obviously initially like if you're out of shape type thing and you're running yep. like, you're gonna feel you're gonna be focused on your breathing and you're gonna oh, be focused yeah. on when i'm gonna be able to stop that's what you're gonna probably be thinking about most definitely um, i mean i guess i guess it's just like different because i can lift for the rest of my life put me in an actual full gym i'll be there i'll be there for six hours i'm, I'm down with the gym i'm both like, like i'm I, I, I wouldn't say i'm a gym rat but i i love lifting as well and i i see the benefits between both and i, I like both um, a lot um and definitely lifting is immensely another type of mentally straining activity too, because you really have to think about it and, and be focused um, in, in those moments as well, because you don't want this weight to hit you in the face. Right. So you're going to, you're going to push it up and down. So um, it's kind of that same mindset and in, in, um, in actuality, but, but yeah, bro, I, I, I can't even, hit the gym. I literally cannot remember the last time I ran for more than like, Hmm. 25 minutes 25 wow. 26 minutes because yep. like the last okay because here's what i mean the last time i decided to run for a distance just because i did a 5k for breast cancer research in 2017 i think right and then anything past that i was just like if my body responds really well to just jogging for maybe 15 minutes then why do i have to do anything more than that that's literally what I think about because right. I'm just like, if I if if I'm just like panting in, in the middle of the Philadelphia traffic system, uh, when I was in school, I was like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? Right. Especially because like, 
in Philly, since it's a city, it's hard to like you're either just running around your block, which is kind of boring, and you have to like stop for all the cars and everything. So you're like, okay, you're going on a trail. But the thing about a trail is that one, there's other people too. I'm like a bigger dude. I'm not some svelte uh, Nike ad runner like like you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and three, if it starts raining, I gotta run the whole way back. Like yeah. That, that is a two pack of ass. I don't want it. Do it does that. suck. I've, I've had my days like that. Yeah. <laughs> I almost thought about running today on this rainy day. Funny enough. <laughs> it, it, nah, nah, that's not it. But yeah, man, that that's really good. I know that was one of your points of contention when you were mentioning, we were talking about masks on your podcast, like that, that, that inhale, you know what I'm saying? Gets real, gets real dicey with the mask and yes. like, caught in with it. It does. It does. Um, last thing, well, last actually not. We got two more things because this is great. Um, we were talking about video games last time, like on yeah. your podcast. So, just for your like recollection, what what got you into gaming? Like, what were your first few games that kind of got you in? What are the ones you're into now? And like, what 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 would you say your favorite ones? Like ever? Like the ones that you're just like, yep, no matter what, I can go back to this one, or this one has a really special place in my heart. Like, what what are those for you? So I think everybody can say when, if you were a, a late '90s kid or early '90s kid, your first console was probably a Sega Genesis. That was mine as well. Um, again, really amazing console. I remember growing up with it, using it in my uncles um, and playing Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, which was like I think one of the best-selling games for that console at that time. Um, but yeah, that that was like one of the first games I ever played. Um, then I got a PlayStation One. Um, when I was young, don't really remember too many games. I know I played um, Crash Bandicoot, um, the original ones. Uh, what, what what was the other one? Spyro as well. Um, so kind of those uh, animated based games. Then PS2 came out, Ratchet and Clank came out, um, started playing some of those. Um, and Jack and Daxter, that's another one. Um, also grew up with that game. So I liked a lot of cartoon based adventure platformer type of games. Uh, that you know kind of took you out your comfort zone and you're exploring kind of an open you know realm of, of things and getting collectibles and items and such um but you know once the ps2 you know came out again i played more shooter games first person shooters that's where i kind of got an introduction to all that started getting into the medal of honor series a lot that's one of my favorite uh shooter games uh prior to even playing call of duty and such um but if i were to say my favorite game of all time ever I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so um, you know, name any. I mean, any episode, I probably remember a lot of details you probably didn't see. Um, and I even I'm into the lore as well, and in the ex, uh, expanded universe of Star Wars as well, because it is way more than just the nine movies that are out now. I promise you that. And you know, obviously, you have the Clone Wars, you have Rebels, um, and just recently we just had the Mandalorian, which is amazing. Um, but my favorite game of all time is Star Wars Battlefront Two. It's just an amazing game. Uh, probably one of the best AI uh, that I played with as a kid. And uh, and, and honestly, right next to it, I'll, I'll say, is uh, the Lego Star Wars series as well. Because uh, it was just so fun playing those games, especially with my little brother, who I gave like an introductory to, to video games as well, growing up, uh, playing those games two-player. And, and I feel like nowadays games aren't as interactive. Like, you can't go over to your friend's house and play the ps5 together you know what i'm saying like you now you have to like have separate ps5s and play from a distance like a split screen used to be 
the time of my life. Um, but yeah, you know, those are my favorite games growing up and gaming has been, you know, a big part of my life. I still do it to this day. Still, I currently actually have like pretty much all the new consoles, uh, which is really amazing because I never had that opportunity growing up as a kid. It's like P- PlayStation or Xbox. Always pick PlayStation. I've been biased. I love my PlayStation. Um, and I've had pretty much all the generations leading up to now. Um, but I've just recently dipped into the Xbox realm, getting the Series S, and it is actually not that bad because there were some games I missed out on, like Halo and Gears of War. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, truthfully, I'm going to keep it a thousand with you. You opened up a Sega Genesis hard. I had never even touched one before. Wow. <laughs> I got it. I mean, to I would say... I'm not really like a video gamer like most people are. Like I started with sports games. My mom got me a PS2 out of Game Boy Color. Oh, I forgot handhelds. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, had a a Game Boy Color to start me out. Then I got a PS2. So nothing before that, and then before those two at least. Then. Eventually, it got to the point where I had a Wii, and then I had a Wii and a DS, and that went from a Wii DS to an Xbox 360. Then I had Xbox One S, and I still have that. And the thing that kind of held me back, if I'm being transparent, from most other people's experiences, is my parents were really strict on what games I could play. Oh, wow. Like if that game said T on it, and I was not, you were not thirteen. I, I was not playing. <laughs> you, it, it, this is Peggy eighteen. You are not yeah. eighteen. You are not playing this game. It like was not happening. So right. like most people had played COD kind of earlier on. I played. I mean, I did get to play Battlefront two only at my cousin's house when I was like ten. I wasn't allowed to have it. They, they let you slide with your yeah, cousins. Yeah, 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 with the cousins, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't allowed to have it. I didn't play Too much G- violence. Exactly. I didn't play <laughs> any GTA until I was, like, literally 18 years old. No freaking way, man. I'm I dead GTA. serious. I played San Andreas. I played three. I played, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was late to the party in every way, and the thing that really kind of turned it around was this beautiful sequence of events that led to me playing pokemon and i know i think i love pokemon more than most people in my age group for the people who got into it because i get in really late like i got in when the ds games came out that's when i got in because my parents didn't want me playing that either and it took a lot of convincing for me to let them let me play and legitimately the second i started playing pokemon i was like i love video games more than anything else right because literally all i would play every year the madden that would come out the nba live that would come out and then insert random miscellaneous game before i started playing pokemon and then it just started going out and from there uh, i eventually started playing fighting games so i was really good at like the marvel versus capcoms the street fighters the injustice that came out Injustice was cool yeah. um I got really good at those. And like then I really have fond memories of like the Mario Galaxy games and um just stuff like that. The Wii was like amazing for me cuz I was like on that Nintendo path ever since I had that Game Boy Color for the first time. Right. Um 
But yeah, Pokemon was everything. You know what I mean? Because literally growing up, it was like I would play like NFL Street 2 and 3 like all day long and not get bored. But that was it because my parents legitimately like if it says E, you can play. If it's anything older than that, you cannot play. No, illegal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like here's like six-year-olds playing San Andreas with strippers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, no, for real, bro. It, it is wild. A it wild, wild dichotomy. But yeah. yeah, man. And I mean, I can I, to say I play video games right now is like patently false because I literally just play Pokemon still. Like I, I'm doing like a Nuzlocke with one of my friends in like older games. So we started with Platinum and now we're on Black 2. I tried Valorant. I'm a just cheeks at it just so bad at it um ali and i played stardew valley that was amazing stardew valley is cool yeah it i had a friend so recommend good. it it's kind of like um like a platformer game like terraria it's like a third person think of it like a third person minecraft sort of yeah uh, it, but it's yeah. nice i really like it like ali and i played that and i the first time i played that i was like oh i never want to play anything else again like i just want to keep playing and keep playing and keep playing eventually when i get a better pc she and i are going to play minecraft together um because my pc is old could not can if it cannot handle valorant at all in practice (laughs) rounds it cannot under any circumstances try to load anything in minecraft without sounding like an aircraft carrier you know what i'm saying (laughs) right so gotta save up for a better lot specifically get a desktop desktop i don't have a spot for it i don't make a a spot for it (laughs) you gotta get you on a desk right now right Um, I mean, technically, but like the thing is, like, this is my where I'm at right now is my work desk. So I'd have to clear out everything in my work spot to make room for the desktop. And then my surge protector will literally die. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we're going with a gaming laptop for now. Then when I move into an apartment or something like that, I'll get it. I'll get a full tower. Fair enough. Yeah, man. Um, And just. Just off uh, that, just off the good vibes. One last question before we get out of here. We were talking about concerts. Um, yeah. When we when we met up, just talk about the ones you've been to, some fond ones. What was your first one that you had been to? Is there a best one that you've been to? Just run through them for me. Uh, I honestly was not a concert goer till very like a couple years ago, actually in college. Um, I hadn't really seen many famous people growing up. Um, just because, you know, I just didn't have that opportunity. My parents weren't too fond of concerts. They're like, stay in school, focus on school. Don't worry about these celebrities and all that. Right. And, and so I really didn't see many famous people, but, uh, some of my favorites, definitely, I can't really, I'll say my favorite concert I've ever been to in terms of experience and like knowledge of the songs and artists and all that has to hundred percent be Travis Scott's Astral World tour. That was amazing. Um, and, and being there even with some friends and being so close up too, because I was, uh, I got the floor pit. Funny enough, I got my tickets the same day. It was so crazy for a decent price. And I was on the floor and, and I got super close to, and I saw Travis at some points. It's on, it's on my channel too. Um, but like, it was so freaking amazing. And that was like my real, like, now I, under, I understood the griminess behind concerts and people pushing you around and all that. It was just super wild. I was sweating the whole time. I sweated when I was going home. It was just insane. Um, so that's my favorite concert. I've seen J. Cole live during his KOD tour. Um, saw BTS twice um, in New York and New Jersey, but it was, it was pretty much New York. Um, who else have I seen, man? I mean, I've seen Kevin Hart during the uh, Irresponsible tour. Um, 
And yeah, I think that's mostly it. I saw Doja Cat before she blew up. She came to Penn State. Um, so that was cool. I had known about Doja Cat for a minute um, since the Amala Amala album came out. Um, had some really amazing songs in there. Um, and I have seen Denzel Curry live. Can't really think of who else I'm missing, but definitely Travis Scott and BTS are like the biggest on my list. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Travis twice. I saw him with Kendrick, but I'll get more into that later. That's great. Um, First concert I ever went to was this half EDM, half rap concert in Columbia. It was at Meriwether. I'm I'm assuming you know Meriwether. but it was in 2015 summer right before i go to college first concert ever chance was headlining this was when chance was good by the way um way back when uh <laughs> it was chance it was kaylani it was cashmere cat it was uh dom kennedy it was a few more edm artists drum was there he's he goes by shelly now shelly yeah uh, aka drum <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That we was cha chaing. Um, and I remember it first of all, it was at a pavilion, it was outdoors, it was wild, it was hot, but there were so many people, such crazy energy. But one of the most memorable things that happened was there was they like they had had festivals and things like that. They have DJs come on and just like play songs in between the acts. Yeah. And they they played Hotline Bling. This was when it was like the song. The song. They played it eight times Jesus. in 10 hours. And I never got tired of it. Wow. I was like, every single time I got up doing the dance, you know what I'm saying? Literally every single time. It didn't, it never stopped. I was so happy the entire <laughs> time. And that led me to realize that, oh, Drake's gonna be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. Hey. If I can't be tired of Drake, the same Drake song for in the in a span of a concert for eight hours like eight times in 10 hours then i'll never be tired you know what i mean and it was a it was an incredible experience um later on went to see uh, Tra- uh travis and kendrick that was crazy it, it was it was a crazy experience um that was when birds was out oh like, yeah Bird. goosebumps was the song yeah. yeah oh yeah bird he came out he was on the whole he was had this giant bird thing out there i was like what is that it was crazy um kendrick was kendrick nothing much to add there uh damn had just come out so this was maybe a month after damn came out he was in philly with travis and it was crazy it was crazy like um did not like wild crazy little flex um the song humble he goes, that Grey Poupon, that Avion, that TED Talk, and I had literally just given mine. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I, I, think I, ju- I think I had just given mine or something, and I was like on one or whatever, <laughs> or it hit it, or like I was about to go do it. It was like in that time frame, and I was like, this is amazing. Right. Um, what else? What else? Uh, saw, Dr- saw Drake, and it was Drake and Migos in Philly at the Wells Fargo Center. Ali can tell you I've never been more of a maniac than that night. Just an absolute menace to society I was in those seats. Um, especially because Meek pulled out Dreams and Nightmares because he had literally just gotten out of prison and they had just finished beefing. He had came out, he he came out of prison like a uh, 10 days earlier 
Drake's in Philly. Meek goes on stage, and man, I the most impassioned dreams and nightmares in human history came out of me that night, and it was wild. Obviously, I loved everything Drake anyway. Like, I of course I did, but I mean, just what a moment that was. Um, Migos, Migos surprisingly was pretty good. Like in the stadium, they were good. I've seen them outside and they were bad outside, but good inside. So I don't know. I don't know what that correlation has, but they were really good with Drake. Maybe it's just the Drake effect, you know, you know, the Drake um, effect. so I've seen Solange. I've seen J. Oh, Cole. Solange um, is amazing. I saw Cardi B three weeks after, um, Bodak Yellow came out. That was wild. Wow. I bet like, it was. That wild. was when she was at her prime, man. Yeah, that was that was an interesting time. That was at the same festival that J Cole was at. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've I don't think I've been to a no. The most recent concert I went to was Astro World in Philly, and that was wild. Like it was trippy. Red came was first. Then it was Gunna, and this was when Gunna was hitting his stride. Hey. Um and. And then, it, like, little Uzi came out for a little bit because we were in Philly. Love um, Uzi. I think New, he played New Paddock, right? And that's when New Paddock was bumping. When it first came out, yeah. But that, the funny thing about that song is that New Paddock's, like, a five-minute song. It's long. Yeah. It's a really long song. And, he, and he's rapping at light speed. Like, he's rapping so fast that when he came out, I'm like, there's no way he'll rap. There's an in zero percent chance he's just gonna do his little shoulder roll and we'll get like two minutes of it and that's literally what happened. Like he came out on stage, he had the microphone up to his mouth, right? But they never put him on the on the like the big screen because they knew he wasn't gonna be saying anything. He just was shoulder rolling for two straight minutes and it was crazy. <laughs> um, that's his thing. But Astro World was it was really good. It was really really good. But yeah, man, Travis Travis does Travis puts on a show. Every like, time it is a full, it's a full immersive experience. Very every time you go to a Travis show. Did he uh go on the little roller coaster too? Yeah, yeah, man. I was so lit. I was like, where, wow. where did you wait? He came to state college, he came to state college. He was that was the only college he went to in that tour. That's crazy, crazy, but yeah, man. Uh, this was great. This was a this was a lot of fun, yeah. But, great collab podcast one with you on your side podcast two on me on my side you, anything, go. you got any closing remarks anything you got to say plug your socials all that hey of course hey follow me at zach and bro everywhere twitch youtube tiktok ig twitter anywhere literally any place that has a common social media platform i'm on it so check me out make a lot of cool content and uh, yeah, the vlogs are back. So definitely come out and check us out because, bro, the content is going to be wild once we vaccinated fully. So hey, and remember, get your vaccine as well. I think I hey, got a promo that. Get vaccine. Get vaccinated. You'll be out. You'll be out the mud in three weeks for six months. I'll be out in three weeks and a couple of days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. I know we're gonna see each other again relatively soon. Uh, but. Just crazy thinking we did the last week episode, hadn't even met yet, you know, and I think we had really good flow, really good conversations and everything. So uh, with that, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we had a great time. I had a lot of fun. Uh, you can see we're on the same page with a good amount of stuff. Talked about some important things, but 
like you said, get vaccinated, stay safe, throw the masks on, please. Just we're double almost up there. Too, while you're at it. Yeah, double up. We're almost there. We're so close. We're so close. And J and J was like, no. And I'm like, damn. But it'd be like that sometimes. The CDC said no. But hey, if you're listening, please stay safe. Please take care of yourselves. Uh, this will be the end of the Theo Keeps Talking podcast episode with my guy, Kevin. Check him out, all his platforms. I hope you all stay safe. I'll see you all next time.